Come on around back, Arizona, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the Outdoor Living Hour of Rosie on the House, your Saturday morning tradition since 1988. Already the first Saturday here in December, and if you're following along in our homeowner handbook, you see in our talking points, we've got generational farm families lined up for the talking point today, and to do that, we've got spokeswoman Julie Murphy, the host of the Farm Fresh Hour here at Rosie on the House, and... Uh, a panel of guests, a family. I do. I have three quarters of the Small House family. We're missing Hannah, uh, one of the siblings. She's in Spain, so we're celebrating her as well. But the Small House are are our guests, and most of those that will be speaking today is Andy Small House and Johnny Small House. But before I get into the questions, I want to give you some statistics because we did something different this time. Instead of a specific ag commodity... We're featuring, featuring generational farming, and our farming here in America, farming and ranching, is truly generational. So here's a statistic from the Census of Agriculture, which occurs only five, every five years. This 2024, when we get to the next year, we'll have the latest census, but it, in 2017, 96% of U.S. farms and ranches were family-owned. Small family farms account for 88% of all U.S. farms and ranches. of land and farms and 19% of the value of all agricultural products sold. So we have a lot percentage-wise our small, medium-sized family farms and a small house ranching family represents that. Carlink Ranch has been in business for, do I have the statistic right here, 140? 140 years. 140 years. And so we thought we we need to talk about generational farming and ranching because we have so much of it. I run into these generational farm families, farm ran, or ranch families as well, and it's just amazing to me what this, these generations are. And Johnny, who will be speaking, if he decides to ranch, he'd be the sixth generation small house to be on that ranch. So beginning with my questions, and I want to ask Andy first, <laughs> what does a legacy generational family ranch mean to you well that's a big question to summarize i guess but uh it 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 means um resiliency i guess and uh and always looking ahead and and uh, sustainability you know and trying to innovate and and thinking out of the box and uh and 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 creating a good reputation you know it's just like any business but um it's it it's one of the toughest um, businesses as far as work goes, but it's one of the most gratifying and rewarding and rewarding mm-hmm. businesses that you can be in because you're always um, seeing results of what you're doing. So that makes me ask this other question. Did you always know you were going to be the one to take over for your dad on the ranch? Well, I guess I sort of took it, uh, I, I took it for granted, I guess. And uh, I always had in the back of my mind that, that I would, take over for my dad um but um it really took him uh kicking me off the ranch when i was 18 to to set in and it was the best thing he did because he he uh it 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 made me wake up this isn't going to be handed to you on a silver platter this is wow this is you've got to love this ranch and my dad was unlike most ranch and farm family um a lot of parents or dads he he encouraged me to go do other jobs in high school. I worked at a golf course. I did landscaping, and he 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 knew that 
in order to keep the ranch going, you're going to have to really love it, and you're going to. It's better for me to go see what's on the other side of the fence before I take it over. But when I turned 18, it was the time that I had to make a decision on what which direction I was going to take my life, and that's when I he <laughs> I was messing around and you know partying <laughs> and doing stupid stuff, and he kicked me off the ranch, and and uh, it made me it was the best thing he did. It made me think, and I. Um, and I, I went away to college in New Mexico State and majored in range and animal science, and uh, I've never looked back. That's awesome. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you, Johnny. I know we're asking you a lot of questions today, and then some of these are kind of big questions. You might still be trying to decide all this, but I know you already do a lot of work on the ranch and have since you were about 11 or 12. This sounds like a typical ranch farm kid. We were out there at that age on the farm but we were chopping cotton weeds in the cotton field and trimming pistachio trees. Um, is that just to earn a few extra bucks, or are you interested in someday taking over the ranch? Is that your goal? Well, it really started with um, um, I just decided that um, it would be fun to start working with the Cowboys, and I grew appreciation for the generations before me, seeing all the work that they had done to build up such a good legacy. And... Um, and then from there, I was also driven by this, the beauty in nature. I mean, it's really the only place that, you know, I'm blessed I get to get away from the city and from all the drama, politics, and everything. So that's the only, I mean, it's a great piece. So that motivated me to keep going. And, yeah, I, eventually I do plan on uh, taking over the ranch. That's awesome. And how old are you now? I'm 16. So you have two years before you get kicked off the ranch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's much. already been yeah. kicked off twice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. starting earlier yeah. than my dad. I'm getting ahead on the process. <laughs> you know, it's so seemed... it's less of a shock. Yeah. yeah, it's well. I think it's good that he heard just heard your story too, and I'm sure he's already heard it. But it seems like every generation on a legacy farm and ranch faces slightly different challenges for their time. Andy, how would you differentiate? previous years from now like how it was for compared to how it was for for example your dad or your grandfather yeah well actually I'll, I'll go back even a little further you know when they came into the business it was about money and, and innovation you know uh, they were entrepreneurs the Baylisses are the ones that started it and they had contracts with the military to sell them beef and it was about making money and uh and then my grandfather's generation uh, he married into it and, and he had it tough for the during the depression and then he that he sort of went through the cattle baron boom type days, 40s and 50s, and and uh, so he had it good. My dad, on the other hand, it, as it went on to my dad, it, it, it became more of a lifestyle and a, and a livelihood, and I think that's what it's become a lot for us. And uh, and and there was it was really it was pretty tough for my dad's generation um, um, as far as you know sort of the economy and, and cattle prices and all that. Our challenge is um, what's changed now. We have more um, politics involved and regulation, and and uh, of course the worker challenge. It's really a lot more challenging to 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 get good workers that want to live out in the rural environment and do that type of work. There's less and less people that it seems as though want to do that type of work. Um, I'm just lucky to have my wife doing all the politics because that's the hardest job there is. Really is. It, it's not it's not necessarily up to us whether you know how hard we work and how innovative we are all the time these days it's it's also up to 
what type of regulations are coming down and, and, and how you're fighting the regulations, whether you can keep your water, whether you can keep your grazing rights and, and, and dealing with a lot of um, um, regulation and bureaucracy. You know, um, you said that you feel like this generation, it's more of a lifestyle, but the small houses still have to make money in order for this 140-year ranch to continue. So, And I know you've done that with some of your your other innovative um, endeavors in business. You've got the uh, wholesale cactus business. I think you guys still have your mesquite wood business. So there's all sorts of things that you're doing to sustain this. And one of the most important aspects of using the word sustainability in agriculture is our farmers and ranchers have to be profitable. Johnny, rumor has it a lot of people say that you're an old soul. Um, so I'm going to ask you, you appreciate a lot of ways of the past. Since you are the sixth generation, what would you take from the past and apply to the future if you could? Well, yeah, like I said earlier, I really admire the um, generations before me and their work ethic, their grit. And that's what got agriculture to where it is today. And specifically for our family, that's what got us here because um, there's never um, it's all it's never just an easy easy ride down the road. You know, it's all we always have. Um, walls to climb and stuff, so I appreciate that. But I think really the the most important thing that I could take from the past that it would be progression. And I think that people don't really they they lose um, the lose a sight of progression and how it is necessary for agriculture to sustain and to stay, stay successful. And um, people don't realize, but they it was also and it was needed back then, and even though they maybe didn't have as much technology and before generations, they still um, tried to keep up as much as possible. To me, it seems like whether it's from the past or the present, there's a lot of things that are so common, the resiliency that you spoke of, the uh, desire to be innovative with whatever technology is available at that time. I mean, it's just impressive when we go back in time and actually discover that they were maximizing on the tools. Usually agriculture is the first to implement a new technology. So I'm moving toward the future. What do you appreciate about today's technology and or how do you feel like you're going to maximize on it? Well, I strongly believe that technology is a great tool. Um, and that goes back to the progression too, is that um, we really have to stay um, open-minded to the new technology, but I think that as long as it's used as a tool and to benefit and be more successful and not to um, to use it to hurt other people or to make our jobs um, easier for the wrong reasons, I think that um, it's, a, it's a great tool and that we need to keep progressing and, and staying up with as much as we can. Yeah. And I love the way you say that, uh, using technology but not for the wrong reasons. Um, Steph, real quickly, any thoughts about what the men in your family just said? Yeah, I just I've, I'm I'm happy to be associated with such smart guys. No. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, Johnny. I think of Johnny as an old soul just because he he does kind of blend the heat. There's so many things from the past. He says, "Oh, I wish things were like they were back then." And you know, I think people worked harder. And I think this, and I think that. And but I think he's also able to recognize the benefits that he has today. So so that's good. You can't uh, you can't always lament on the past. I 
On this Farm Fresh broadcast, Julie Murphy, spokeswoman for Arizona Farm Bureau, has a small house family in talking generational farming. And you guys were talking about technology and, you know, always adapting to it. What is probably the most old school practice you still have? You still have iron brands. Uh, yeah, tell us about the Carlink brand. Well, the the Carlink brand, uh, it's it doesn't have a huge significance as far as, you know, a lot of times it's due to family name or whatever. It, it was based on the old train car links, and it's actually one of the oldest brands in the country. It came from Kansas. They brought it over, and it dates back to probably about 1875. And uh, for me, it's simple. It's just like a squashed O, like a chain link, and we put it on the left hip, so we still do that. We also still do, you know, you still have to build fence by hand. There's some new tools that we use. Uh, we still ride horseback and gather everything. I mean, a lot of people are using helicopters these days and so forth. But we, we do. We've uh, we've sort of just believe in training our cattle and um, teaching them that it's you know making a, a good experience for them when we push them that they're going to go to better pasture or they're going to um, go to a better place. So they want to be pushed in a way, which um, is my dad was way ahead of the times in that and and and. Uh, he sort of did away with roundups, and, and he has guys. We have four uh, cowboys that ride year-round. Wow. Actually, three cowboys and one cowgirl. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, and uh, we, we, we ride year-round and, and brand year-round and, and, and wean and so forth. So we, those type of things are still the same in a way. They're, you know, hopefully we're doing them better <laughs> than we did, but, uh, but we, we, we do the same. We use sort of the same practices they did when they started. Right, and how cool. many head are those four? So now, right now, we're, we, we've, we've expanded the ranches. We, my dad, my grandfather sold off two of the ranches in 1942, and I've actually leased them back. So we, I've sort of about tripled the size of the ranch. But we, we've, we've gotten up to about 1,600 mother cows right now is what we're... Over the over, expanse over the of ranches. the ranches. Yeah. And so those four people, that's how, much, how many cattle they handle. I was going to share another statistic. Large-scale family and ranch farms made up less than 3% of all U.S. farms, but produce 43% of the value of all agricultural products. I thought that would be appropriate, based on the fact that you said you kind of increased the size of your ranch. Uh, Mid-sized family farms accounted for 5% of U.S. farms and produced 20% of the value of agricultural products. Keep in mind, especially here in Arizona, we have a lot of Native American farms, especially on the tribal lands, but most of those are subsistence. If you know what subsistence means, that means they're just growing for their family, their neighbors, and they may be growing, like in the case of the Navajo and Hopi, ceremonial corn. So uh, the diversity and breadth and depth of agriculture just in the state of Arizona is amazing, and you can see that across all of the United States. Again, we need to keep our agriculture in our own country, because it's a security issue. If we can't feed ourselves, we're in trouble. But I, now, now to get less serious, I have a question for Johnny. The last time I was out there, I don't get out to the ranch that much, but I love it when I do get out there. I think, Johnny, you were breaking a horse or, you know, like we call it breaking, but basically so it's rideable and all that stuff. How did all that go? 
Um, it went well. Great learning experience. Uh, definitely t- taught me some patience, which is really needed in the indus- in this industry. But um, it's uh, also interesting what you can carry o- carry over from learning about animals and how they learn and how to teach them stuff to people and how lessons can be taught stuff like that. So. And the horse, I mean, it's so majestic. We all fall in love with horses, and um, I loved horses, but I was ended up being allergic to them, so you would never find me doing that. But now, is this horse used on the ranch? Do you? Yeah. Um, with the farming, it's hard to keep up riding it, but at this point, um, it's mo- mostly broken, and uh, it's a great horse. Turned out really good. Um, great temperament. So so cool. Is there a favorite aspect of the ranching that you've been doing now with your daddy since, like, what was it that, since you were 11 or 12? Are you, you know, is it saddling up the horse and working with the cattle or? Well, I, it's very enjoyable to be out in the range and to um, ride horseback. But um, it's also, which is what I've been doing a lot of is farming because it's, um, like Dad brought up, um, earlier, it's very um, gratifying because you can see your, the plants grow and you know that um, all that work you're putting in is, is shown and then you get to see the cattle um, eat that and, and see how the circle of life goes, I guess. so. But, yeah, that's that's probably what um, I enjoy most is on the farm right now. So Very wise words. Andy, I've got you, a question. Yeah. Rosa. I mean, is, is my memory playing tricks with it, Johnny, isn't your ranch famous for hiding outlaws? <laughs> I don't know. That, that, isn't there a story? <laughs> yeah, there's a story. Yeah, there's a story. We're still it? looking for the money, and we haven't found it. So what's that story? Now that's been asked. <laughs> oh, it's the Redfields that had it before us. They uh, they, they robbed a bank, and just to summarize, they... they Calvary, you know, or the marshals that were looking for the bank robbers came and stayed there, and they uh, and ended up that the Redfields they they put them up for the night, and they ended up finding the loot in the hay barn. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't find all the money, so Johnny still has a chance in ranching. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully it wasn't paper money; it was gold that's yeah, out there. Yeah. <laughs> Starts with the family, land and a little seed. Say a prayer that the roots grow deep, cause it's all grown naturally. Our home is here. Now, there's a lot of factors in generational anything. Uh, you see more of it in farming, I think, than you probably do in any other business out there. You know, there's not very many. You know, I don't know a construction company that could say they're coming on their sixth generation here in Arizona. Um, but a big part, you know, you've talked about a lot of the challenges. You've got regulations. You've got, uh, you know, one of the biggest things, though, uh, I think, is as well is location. Yeah. You know, there's <laughs> ranches that were in what is, you know, the, the cities now. You know, they got development pushed them out. Right. You guys had a nice location that. It's it the development hasn't encroached on you. Right. I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, no, it hasn't, and and um, and I guess part of the reason they've they've actually wanted to save that open, you know, as open space 
you know, area and, and the county's actually bought a bunch of land around, um, around us to also, but yeah, we've, we, well, we've actually, like I said earlier, we're one of the few that, um, ranches that we're, we're pretty much the only original ranch along in that area. And we've, uh, we've, like I said, I've put lease back and bought back one of the ranches that my grandfather had sold off because, um, so that, that helps. I mean, I, I, it, we're, we're lucky to, to be where we're at. And, and, uh, and I think it makes our, our, makes it a little bit different as far as, uh, you know, if you're all grown around by houses, it sort of takes away from what you're doing, you know, because what we do, what we like, the reason we're doing a lot of what we do is because we like the open space. We like to be away from town and all that. So when, when you take that away, it's really hard to, to have the stick to to keep right going forward and you know trying to ranch and farm and especially when the neighbors complain about the things yeah. that have a tendency to complain it's again they love farmers and ranchers but they don't want them to live right next to them it seems like all the time and then during the break johnny i think what were you telling us because of your remoteness how long does it take you to get to school hour and a half yeah. a- an hour and a half <laughs> so all right well so remoteness has its benefits and its challenges but you're 16. You probably like to drive, so it's not that big of a deal. So another question I wanted to ask you, Andy, is, you know, to run a business, you kind of have, a, have to be a jack-of-all-trades depending on the day, but particularly in ranching and especially ranching in a very isolated part of the state, you really have to do all things. Uh, you're not only managing livestock and crops, but people as well. What do you think has been your most important skill or knowledge base when it comes to your success on the ranch? Well, I would say that um, uh, every, a lot of any business, but especially ranching, you know, is, is attitude and stick to And that's, um, I think I have a lot of stick to um, But I also think that I'm, I'm pretty good at working with people. And um, I've been able to, you know, we're, we're big enough where we can't, Johnny and I, can't just run the place ourselves we have to have a really good team and i have the best team i've ever had awesome and so and a lot of that but you know ranching's not like you know <laughs> construction or other jobs that you you go home and the other family the other workers go home we're a big family we all you know we all have to work together we all have issues so we, you have to deal with a lot of issues um outside of just your own family you have to you know you're one big huge family yeah. basically and uh- so and you don't have nine to five hours, I think. Was it you, Stephanie, as we were walking in? You didn't, Andy, you didn't come in until seven o'clock last night. At least. At, at, at least. Okay. So um, a lot of long days and crazy nights. And it gets dark at like 5.30. So right. what, what were you accomplishing way. in the dark the last 90 <laughs> minutes of the day? Oh, well, I was actually um, hauling um, feed supplement back from Wilcox, and I was in um, – uh, meeting with the insurance guy yesterday and then i hauled cactus one of my businesses i hauled cactus into tucson then i went back to wilcox and had a meeting and so that's what that's why i was in late and uh and even sometimes on the ranch we're out you know trying to keep waters going and and uh and if we're behind on waters we got to be out there starting generators in the you know sometimes in the middle of the night you know and so so uh yeah there's no set there's no set clock and it's um you know pretty much seven days a week you have to give your workers off saturday and sunday usually you know and so you have to you You kind of have to step in in. you have to step in 
So, Johnny, in a way, you are very lucky to be so involved in the ranch already. You can sort of take it all in and evaluate how things work. You already know your strengths, uh, but you also have time to know your weaknesses and work on those ahead of time. When you think about someday managing the ranch while your dad goes fishing on the Pecos River, (laughs) (laughs) what will come easily to you and what do you see will be a challenge? The easy part, the challenging part. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's hard to tell where we'll be at that point and what the business will look like. But, um, and honestly, I haven't really found a specific, um, probably, skill that I have that's going to apply to that. But um, probably just hardworking and grit. But um, I do have a lot I need to work on before I get to that point. And, um, like, patience and people's skills. <laughs> My dad, he's good at that. I'm the complete opposite, so... Um, <laughs> I mean, I have to work on that because that's a big part, as you said, of the the life today. So, Well, like you said, you kind of know what your strengths are, and and you're wiser and smarter than, than I was at 16. You already knew, you already know your weaknesses, and if we can at least acknowledge those, then... Yeah, I think it's very interesting for me from an outsider in a sense, right? Like, I'm, I'm wasn't born into agriculture, and I married into this legacy, but, um, you know, I, I observed Andy's dad, you know, was was just like a workaholic like he just worked around the clock constant constantly um didn't interact as much with the with the workers and the people right he's like this is what you need to do and then he was gone for the day right and john and andy is very interactive with the employees and is very good you know handling kind of the drama that happens sometimes with that many families working together um and and johnny's much more like his grandfather he's (laughs) he's a workaholic and um you know he would he would rather he would rather be working in a hundred Ten degree weather all day long than sit in a classroom. So sure, yeah, and it and we all have our different styles, you know. And speaking of those late nights, I wanted to share. Uh, and I think all of my cotton farmers or crop farmers can say this. Way back when, I don't think they do it anymore. But Dad always remembers when he'd start the head of on a weekend when he had to do it. Start the head of water and and he'd go to the end of the field and lay down in the row with his head toward the ditch, I don't know, a mile and a half away, however long those fields are. And he, once the water was touching his head, he knew it was, the water was getting to the ends of the row, and then he could, uh, and it would wake him up, obviously. Hopefully he wasn't that hard of a sleeper. But I've heard that story more than once from our farmers. So, Andy, knowing the challenges you faced when you took on the ranch, what do you hope for Johnny if he plans to, and it, he's indicated, and it's, in the record books now, he's indicated during this show yeah, that he wants he can't to... can't get out of it. He can't get out of it now. It's recorded for posterity. Yeah. Um, it, what do you hope for Johnny if he plans to run the ranch in the future? Well, I, I hope that he doesn't have as much a shock as I had with my dad passing away. At, uh, I was like 25 years old, so that was that was a tough deal. And, and, I mean, you know, it makes you tougher, too. Working hard, you know, you always appreciate things more, but... Um, uh, I, I hope that I can create more sustainability and, and, and um, with what Stephanie's doing with the, you know, politics, regulation, um, uh, that, that we'll have uh, more stability, whether it's our water rights and all that. I mean, um, what Stephanie does is, is really, um, right now we're in a time when, you know, that hopefully things will be put in place that, that we won't have. We've been fighting on the water issue for 40 years, and hopefully he doesn't have to, he can enjoy and be more innovative, which he will be, um, and 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 
get more done on the ranch and farm and and feel you know it, it's just that that's the most frustrating thing but i mean he he's gonna have to he's gonna have to find a really good wife or really be nice to his his sister you know his <laughs> his sister's gonna compliment him a lot and she has we were actually talking about yesterday about uh I just called her yesterday and dealing with worker issues and so forth. And Hannah, Hannah wants to. One of the things she's thinking about is going into consulting, corporate consulting. And awesome. And you've been on her show yep. with the podcast with mm-hmm. the generational gaps. And so I actually call Hannah a lot and say, "Hey, you know, because I've got all age workers and stuff. And how? What do you think about this?" And and uh, and I was talking about Johnny. I'm like, you know, I'm just worried that he's not going to be able to have the patience. And she said, "No." He'll be fine. He'll learn how to do it. He'll just have a different management strategy than you, Andy, and he'll he'll be a lot more organized. So yeah, and that's what's so cool. So. Even in uh, families, uh, per, you know, we might have the same DNA and we're all related, but uh, the way we approach life can be completely different. I've got three brothers, and we look at each other and we think, "How are we even related?" Well, you know, Andy's persuasive. Yes. <laughs> uh, he convinces a woman that's not ranch savvy, move out to the middle of nowhere with me and my 1,600 cows, and when the kids are grown, you can go into politics. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a wildlife biologist, a recluse, and now look what she's doing. The funniest thing is when we got married and she had her whole career ahead of her and she'd worked hard to get her wildlife biology degree and she had her job and she just said, and I, I always remind her of it. She said, I'm just worried I'm going to be bored out there. <laughs> <laughs> She's not bored at all. She oh hasn't been a bo- bored I a dream, minute since I she dream can... of boredom. <laughs> yeah, she dreams of boredom. And the miles that you put on your vehicle, just going back and forth, you were up here. Uh, this is my third time this week being in the, Phoenix. So Being up here. So, so staying on that kind of future perspective, Johnny, what excites you about the future um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's really hard to tell, um, because with, um, it's hard to tell the trajectory with all the technology and everything, and, um, like I said, it's hard to tell where the, our ranch even will be on a small scale, but also the whole world, but I'm excited to see, I mean, we see today in, in agriculture that, um, it's starting to thin out on the amount of small, small family ranches, and so I think that but there's no way for the world to survive without agriculture, so it's not going anywhere. Um, but I'm very interested to see where it, where it's taken from yeah. that trajectory. So, and just Go to ahead. add in a little bit, I mean, I, I think it'll be more of a lucrative business for Johnny, just like you said, because they're not making any more land, they're not making any more ranches. But also, it's really exciting times. I mean, you can you can um, on you know one of my uh, favorite things is you know studying the genetics of cattle and so forth and. And uh, and now you can, without even processing an animal, you can take DNA tests and check and see, you know, how the steaks are going to look before you even process the animal. So you, right. you're, it's it's a lot, you know, the selection and the tools, the 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 technology that we have now is going to be really fun for Johnny, and uh, and he'll be able to manage things a lot better. And you guys don't sell your beef directly, but well, I would imagine that. On the holidays, it's got to be a Carlink ranch. We do sell. Beef. We do sell some okay. directly. We do sell. We're in a couple different stores. We're in um, Samuel and and uh, Catalina, but we we also we're we're trying. We're working on. A, I've got. I've partnered up with a guy to build um, a processing plant, and uh, that is a lifelong goal. We've we've trademarked the name Arizona Natural Beef, 
and uh and so that's that's one thing i want to try to get going because um i think that 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 will help a lot with the sustainability is to market direct here's to the farmer that plants the fields in the spring the turn from green to that harvest honey hold one up for the banker downtown they got him on his feet with handshake money here's to the farmer's wife we love the song And I know you've got a question for Stephanie here to wrap up this final segment, but I'm going to first congratulate you guys. Coming up on February 24th, 2024, will be the 17th annual Arizona Farm and Ranch Hall of Fame, and the Murphy family is getting inducted. Thank you. Congratulations. (laughs) Well, it was funny because I've been harassed for about a decade from a couple people, and I finally filled out the application, and one of the people that harassed me to fill out the application submitted on behalf of the Murphy Farms. Um, I said, well, then you're going to have to, because you also have to submit three approvals. And I said, well, then you need to write a letter saying why you think we're deserving of it. So he did. So <laughs> That's um, awesome. thank you. I appreciate that. And daddy will appreciate that because he's listening to the segment. He's one of my biggest fans. <laughs> Stephanie uh, and Johnny, Andy, thank you. Wonderful conversation today this morning early we got you after the ranch and so i appreciate you taking the time because i know that you you would prefer especially you johnny to be doing something on the ranch than talking to me but you did it um stephanie talk about the final proposal from the governor's groundwater council came out on wednesday and i don't know if we've said it in this right. hour yet but stephanie's the current president of the arizona yes. farm bureau and has been Correct. your seventh eighth year now uh, in my seventh year. Seventh year. Seventh year. So what's your take on what came down from the council? Well, about as brief as I can be on it because it's a very complicated subject matter. But um, the the product that came out of the council was disappointing. Um, there's a lot in there, but what matters is what's not in there. And what's not in the proposal are two very um, critical concerns that the agriculture community has regarding the management of groundwater in rural Arizona. And there were two concerns that we tried to, to get in the report, and we, we were just unsuccessful. And so that was disappointing. But uh, that's, not, that's not the end of the story. Uh, Farm Bureau is working hard with some other legislators to come up with a fix to address those critical concerns. And we're quite determined to do that. And that involves uh, uh, some serious consideration of what more we can do in terms of water conservation in rural Arizona, because farmers and ranchers are already doing quite a bit. But there's always more that can be done. And we want to be that incentive-based and not regulatory. It's always right. preferred to, to be able to operate in that kind of environment. You know, Andy's been talking about regulation. And, you know, to tag on to that, the importance of water, and the importance of regulation, these generational farms and ranches, people, I think people need to remember, again, me coming into agriculture from the outside, it amazes me when I work with the families um, in Arizona Farm Bureau, the members that are producing food and fiber, the generational institutional knowledge of the watersheds, of right. the farms, where the water comes from, where the water goes, what the soils are, how are they absorbed, um, you know, what's the salinity of the soils, what's the technology we can use to conserve the water. All of these things, this is, this is a great amount of institutional knowledge that Arizona has from people who are managing the landscapes that um, nobody has to pay them to do it. <laughs> that, that's their job. And so that's a part of the conversation when we talk about water and management of groundwater in rural Arizona is – 
is who are the people out there living on the landscape? And, and let's not forget the type of knowledge that they have to contribute to the conversation. And that's why we were so disappointed with the council and, and how it operated, is that knowledge was kind of just pushed aside. Like it had no significance. And yet, if you don't build domain knowledge generation after generation, speaking of the generational farming and ranching, you lose a lot of very in-depth and valuable data, data points that half the time they're in individuals' minds. So that's why you need a real good mix. And if some of that stuff is just pushed aside. Well, and I can just give you a, a quick example with Andy. Um, between his father and him and what he learned from his father before he passed away, he has more knowledge about the water levels and what, where the water is accessible, um, the water quality in the San Pedro River Valley than probably anyone else in the valley right now because of our longevity. And, you know, we have other groups and, you know, the county owns a ranch and, and they try to put in a well and, and Andy tells them, that's not going to work. You're wasting a bunch of money. You, you should try and do it this way, trying to save money. And they just wouldn't listen. They said, nope, we're well drillers. We know what we're doing. He said, yeah, but I've lived out here my whole life and I know where the water is and, and it's not going to work. And it didn't work. It didn't and work. And it was a waste of thousands and thousands of dollars. So, you know, that's just one example um, of, of the fact that this knowledge could really be beneficial um, in the greater scope of policy development. We're coming up to 2024, only a month away. And um, we've got a lot ahead of us. Arizona Farm Bureau is always busy. We have these signature events constantly going. We have AgFest in January. What's What's your perspective? I'm not going to ask for your crystal ball because if your crystal ball is like mine, it's broken. I can't predict the future. <laughs> but what's your perspective on what's coming up in 2024? Well, like I said, I'm excited about going into this legislative session and talking about rural groundwater and finding solutions that work for farmers and ranchers. And to be honest with you, that's going to really take a lot of our time. We have a farm bill that we've been working on very hard and just had to be extended because Congress couldn't get their act together. So, But at least they extended it. So we still have a farm bill to work with. Um, but we have some programs that we were really trying to enhance and make better for Arizona farmers and ranchers that we'll have to wait on. So that's a little disappointing. But we always have stuff going on. And I, and I have to say to the folks out there listening that, you know, I know a lot of folks that are members of Arizona Farm Bureau, that the only connection they have to agriculture is that they like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate those people so much because it's showing support for the growers. It's showing support for our members that are growing things, our farm family farmers and ranches. You know, so a membership in Arizona Farm Bureau um, really can just be – as much about just saying, hey, you know what? I care about Arizona's farmers and ranchers, and I want to do my little part to to support them. So uh, just a thank you to those folks. And that little part is going to azfb.org and signing up 60 bucks a year. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so it's easy. Per year, not per month. So it's very economical. And I have been, talked to a lot of my, we call them our associate members because they don't have an ag relationship. We all do because we all eat, have to wear clothes. But uh, they say that's one of the reasons they're members is because they support farmers and ranchers. And there's a lot of great benefits you get for that $60. Correct. Um, yes. I mean, by itself, if you go to Sanderson Ford, 500 bucks off the top of the price tag right yep. there. I mean, that's a it's, pretty significant savings in and of itself. And there's hundreds of those examples. Yes, and that's one of the favorite member benefits. 